Welcome to the Cambridge Judge Business School Podcast Centre. Microfinance, the business of providing small loans for poor people unable to access conventional lending sources, is under intense regulatory inspection across key areas of the Indian subcontinent. Dr. Kamal Munir of the Cambridge Judge Business School has closely followed the development of the microfinance industry, MFI, and is surprised that the scrutiny has not come sooner. A spate of suicides in Andhra Pradesh has been blamed on the high interest rates charged by MFIs and the strong-arm tactics they allegedly employ to recover money. Dr Munir says the industry has changed dramatically since the Grameen Bank was set up by Nobel Peace Laureate Professor Muhammad Yunus in 1996 to help the poor of Bangladesh. At that time, it was about helping the poor. The way Muhammad Yunus started out was he went out uh, to a particular village. There were a lot of poor villagers that he met who were in debt uh, to the local money lenders. And he basically took over their debts and gave money to them, which was not very much. It was $30 or, you know, sort of $40. And he, he was sort of, you know, treated royally in the, in the village just for being able to help that much. It was about gender empowerment, it was about uh, helping the very poor, and it was about keeping interest rates as low as possible. But the interest rates that are being applied to some of these small loans are very, very sharp, aren't they? That's right, because after that, you know, I mean, USAID, World Bank, a number of other uh, sort of stakeholders started pushing microfinance as sort of a large-scale panacea uh, to poverty. And that also changed the whole model of how microfinance or what microfinance was meant to be. First of all, it was made into a commercial activity. So you and I would put money and it would be a financially sustainable one. And financially sustainable one basically meant that, you know, I mean, these outfits began to look more and more like corporations. They had CFOs and they had CEOs and they had all the stuff that we are familiar with. They hired local monitoring officers or loan disbursement officers and they asked them, to, you know, go and give them quotas, just like, you know, it is in any other organization with sales as uh, part of the business. These guys would go in, they would form solidarity circles. And all this was in conformance to a pink book, which the World Bank had issued that, you know, anyone eligible, you know, who wanted to be eligible for World Bank funding, you know, needed to conform to uh, rules of microfinance. So these guys would go in and they would form a solidarity circle. Let's say there are 25 uh, women because women were found to be better at repayments and more reliable to work with. And the initial idea of, again, solidarity circles was that if I can't pay, you will just help me pay and sort of we will collectively help each other meet these payments. Now, of course, you know, I mean, these guys started setting these groups up and they started saying that, you know, if she is not paid, then you are responsible for her payment and so on and so forth. The whole thing, you know, began to degenerate. It became more peer pressure than anything else. It was always supposed to be peer pressure. It was supposed to be peer pressure, but... It, it wasn't supposed to be that, you know, if somebody can't pay, the others have to pay for them. It's not collective debt. It was basically collective help. But that is exactly what began to happen. And women, first of all, a lot of these women or, or men where they were borrowers were essentially borrowing for consumption, not for, um, you know, to buy productive assets, simply because they were really poor. And, you know, in rainfall, for example, the roof of their house collapses you know they need something to fix that where would that money come from 
they would need to borrow it often they would not even sort of bother very much about what is the interest rate and the interest rates that are being charged now were exorbitant if you ask these guys why are the interest rates so high and they range anywhere between 40 and 80% uh, per annum they would tell you that because we have lots of small contracts it is more expensive and it is more expensive to look after several small uh, loans rather than one big uh, loan but that was not the point uh, to be sort of covering costs and passing all those costs on and a number of these institutions have become for profit uh, now they've generally become commercial so th- the woman you know she is forced to pay by the local sort of monitoring officer and uh, if she can't pay then they resorted to high handed tactics that is they would go into the house and they would start you know sometimes auctioning uh, whatever little material possessions they had or they would put a lock padlock on their house and say you can only go in you know once you pay us back i have visited communities where the entire community and this i'm talking about 2007 refused to pay you know they said first of all it was supply driven so we were never really asking for this i mean this was hard sold you know all these loans to us and then you know one after the other all the microfinance institutions you know all with subsidized funding formed a beeline to give us loans and uh, so of course we took loans because we are extremely poor and we have huge needs right? and then when we couldn't pay you know they came after us um, with a vengeance and sooner or later people were going to default because really there are no businesses behind it you know which can return money at the rates that are being charged so where how are these people i mean my question is if somebody is even giving it to you 40% which is on the lower side you need to have a business model which produces about 60 70% you can't pay back if you haven't got the business there to 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 create the exactly. funds to pay back exactly exactly and everyone knows so then they started sort of you know talking in terms that no no tidying over or smoothing out consumption is also a big help to these guys so first from making these guys productive and helping them set up businesses which was the whole grameen idea they started talking about now we are helping them smooth their consumption and these are these are basically financing loans then slowly the whole discourse changed they no longer talk about poverty alleviation i mean they talk about financial inclusion or basically giving these financial products uh, to the poorest of the poor which you know begins to look a little bit like the subprime sort of mortgage crisis i i'm really not surprised that these things are happening now You've mentioned in passing money lenders. Now what is what is the role of the money lender in all of this because they they were around long before the microfinance. Money lenders were part of uh, the community. They were the ones, you know, who used to help these guys with uh, their dire needs when they really needed to get their daughter married off or to, you know, sort of uh, pay a medical bill or pay a child's tuition fee or something like that or they, you know, sort of uh, make a repair to the house. and uh, they used to charge exorbitant interest rates but remember they had no recourse so they had they were taking on all the risk banks have recourse if you don't pay they have collateral money lender has no such thing and uh, these were informal contracts these were not even formal contract they were covering their risks by uh, charging such high interest rates organizations when they went in microfinance institutions when they went in when the primary argument was that we charge high but we charge much less than what the money lender did but that wasn't really the point was it um the point was to alleviate poverty so that these guys are not dependent on the money lender or you know on uh, microfinance institutions if anything 
And if we are going to sort of supply uh, subsidized funding to microfinance institutions, you know, they should be significantly less uh, interest rates than uh, where they are right now. There's another important aspect of all this, which is that uh, previously we used to borrow from each other in times of crisis. Now, and even when the financial debt was paid off, you know, the moral debt remained. So that brought the community together and that built social capital. The financialization of you know, these transactions or these relationships has played havoc with social capital in these societies. So you go there now and you talk to microfinance institutions and they're saying, no, no, we're not going to go into that, that or that city because the people have become too savvy. And uh, so they're ripping off the microfinance institutions in uh, in many cases is that the kind of society that we really want so i mean there are not just economic questions to be answered but also at a social level these communities it's it's an industry or it's a sector that does not appear to have had proper regulation is that going to change that is changing now that is changing i mean first of all there's an interesting uh, development which is that they have been circulating debt these poor people for example, they borrowed, you know, at 40% from you. And then I also came along. Uh, they wanted to pay you. So they borrowed from me uh, to pay you because, you know, there was there were a lot of MFIs willing to give. And a number of these MFIs would concentrate on the same region because they wouldn't have to educate the local population. Solidarity circles had already been. So, you know, people knew the drill. Now, they have set up in Pakistan, for example, they've set up sort of a credit bureau where you can check whether, you know, when I come to you to borrow money, have I already borrowed from somebody else? I think there's going to be an unintended consequence of that. And that is that previously, you know, I would borrow from somebody else to repay you. If you don't lend to me uh, now because I've already borrowed from somebody else, repayment or defaults are probably going to increase. And that is not good. That is not good for the industry because the industry, it's a commercial industry now. And, um, you know, they, it'll, they'll find it very difficult to survive. Your view, I assume, is that, that there should be reformation, there should be proper regulation. I am more for the original model of uh, microfinance, which was not completely commercial. Because if you make it commercial, then you're really making your profits, you know, out of the poorest of the poor. Having the same model... Uh, for that segment of the population or society, I think you know. I mean, there are uh, there are moral questions to be answered. Dr. Kamal Munir, thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced by the Cambridge Judge Business School. 